This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, the questions kids ask about COVID. How long is this going to go on? I'm afraid I'm never going to see my friends again. Are you going to die, Grandpa? Are my friends going to die? Am I going to die? They ask that question. Paying attention to the fears of children when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. There's exactly one generation of students in the United States that have gone to school during a pandemic, and it's the students who were in our classrooms last spring. The challenges of returning back to learning once again. Then we'll just go sit at a bar and talk to the bartenders because they know so many of the neighborhood secrets. The unseen gems in each town and city across the country. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. The coronavirus pandemic has affected everyone, but while many adults have the understanding of what's going on to make it through each day, often children do not. For kids, the pandemic may be an incomprehensible nightmare where their world is drastically changed and they don't know why. They think of this in their personal terms of, can I go out? My daughter-in-law is very upset. What am I gonna do with these children? There's one in preschool, one in uh, you know the first grade, one in third grade, what are we gonna do? Is it going to be safe? That's Dr. William Hasseltine, a longtime professor at the Harvard Medical School and Harvard School of Public Health, and now chairman and president of the Access Health International Think Tank. He's written two e-books to help families during the pandemic, A Family Guide to COVID, Questions and Answers for Parents, Grandparents, and Children, and A COVID Guide to Back to School, Questions and Answers for Parents and Students. The inspiration for both of these books my grandchildren. I have three grandchildren, three, six, and eight. And they've asked me, we're very close. We live close to one another. We see each other all the time. And they ask me a lot of questions. Why is this happening? What is happening? Why can't I see my friends? Why might I not be able to go to school? Why can't I come to see you? What should you say when a four-year-old asks out of the blue, Grandma, will the germs be gone by Christmas? Hasseltine says he talked to a large number of children to find out what they wanted to know about COVID and their fears. The biggest fear, you know, once you're over three to four, you know people die. Are you going to die, Grandpa? Are my friends going to die? Am I going to die? They ask that question. That's the ultimate question that they ask. How long is this going to go on? I'm afraid I'm never going to see my friends again. I was taking soccer lessons. I was going to be a soccer star. Now I can't be a soccer star. Can I ever be a soccer star with the disadvantage? Those are real questions that they ask. Can my dog get COVID? Will my cat give me COVID? Those are the kinds of questions they ask. They're not different in kind. 
from the questions that adults ask. Now, they don't have the same, not all the children have the same information base that adults have. Asseltine also wrote the books because kids' fears today are frighteningly similar to what he felt during his own childhood in the late 1940s and early 50s. I remember polio. I remember exactly the same feelings. You know, from about age five to nine, maybe even 12, there were repeated polio epidemics. And I remember how I felt, especially as a younger child, that I didn't know exactly what was happening, but I knew that my parents were very upset. And I was upset because they were upset. One of the things that has caused me to take up a career in healthcare is that experience, that something terrible was happening, changing all of our lives. Hasseltine says as a child growing up in the California desert, he was told no to many of the usual rights of growing up, just as kids are now. Yes, you can go hunt lizards with your friends, but no more than two other friends. No, you can't go to the swimming pool. I don't care if it's 118 degrees outside. You're not allowed to go to the swimming pool because you might catch a bad disease. No, you can't go see Hopalong Cassidy or Gene Autry at the movie theater because there's too many people there. I remember that. It's very much similar to what kids are going through now. So I wanted to help children and their parents understand what's happening. Children have few places to deal with their feelings. Their world is pretty much just home and school, and school isn't the anchor it used to be. Hasseltine says that's bad enough for those in grade school, but after that, the disruption becomes so intolerable that eventually social distancing rules get broken. From about 13, 14 on, puberty on, it's a completely different story. Because then people have, let's call them social urges, They want to be with the girls, want to be with boys, and the boys want to be with the girls. They want to be with their friends. They want to do sports on big-time sports, or they want to do debate or math club or whatever it is. And socialization is extraordinarily important for human beings, adolescents and post-adolescents, and all through college as well. And this has shattered that part of our life. You certainly can't do most of it. And... I think a tremendous part of what's driving this epidemic, this pandemic in the United States, is the need for young people to get together. That's a fundamental human need. So can parents completely bar their children from seeing anyone? Probably not, especially not their high schoolers. Hasseltine says it's a matter of understanding comparative risk. I would say the most important thing for parents to understand is where in the spectrum of likelihood they are to encounter somebody who's contagious. It's really fundamental. It's like, are you going to go out in a hurricane? No. If it's a red, you don't want to go out at all. It's an orange zone. Well, it's like a thunderstorm. You'll go out if you have to, but you're not going to go out if you don't have to. And if you do go off, you're going to be well protected. If it's a yellow zone, that's determined by how many people per 100,000 are infected on a daily basis in your immediate area. Well, then you go out, you protect yourself, you know where you're going, you know how well they're going to protect, you know if it's going to be wet or dry or you're going to be inside or outside wherever you're going. And so that's the kind of thing that parents have to know and older children should know when they decide what kind of socialization they're going to have or what kind of activities they're going to have. However, Hasseltine admits one of the most common questions children have, when will this be over, doesn't have a good answer. We can explain that doctors are working on a vaccine, but we can't yet predict when it will be safe again. 
and until then, the invisible monster is still with us. You can find out more about Dr. William Hasseltine's books, A Family Guide to COVID and A COVID Guide to Back to School through links on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. Supporting immune function through a healthy diet has become an important new focus for many people these days. One key recommendation is to eat more vegetables and fruits, such as grapes, every day to improve immune function. Combining grapes with vegetables can help achieve this goal in a tasty way, according to registered dietitian Courtney Romano, health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission. Fresh grapes are heart-healthy and hydrating and linked to benefits in multiple areas of health, including supporting immune function. Grapes are always a smart snack choice on their own, and they also pair well with other healthy foods such as vegetables to enhance flavor and nutrition. Add grapes to a kale, spinach, or arugula salad. Roast grapes with cauliflower or broccoli. Combine grapes with cucumbers and feta for delicious and healthful eating. Grapes from California are a natural source of antioxidants and other polyphenols. Visit grapesfromcalifornia.com for more information and over 300 recipes. Nearly 18 million people in the United States have atopic dermatitis, also known as eczema. Eczema can happen almost anywhere on the skin, including the face, neck, and arms. But it can appear differently for everyone. Mom, author, singer, and fashion designer Jessica Simpson talks about her mild to moderate eczema for the first time. As a kid, I first noticed eczema on the back of my arms and legs. I would cover up my skin because I felt self-conscious any time I was experiencing an eczema flare. I've tried to manage my eczema over the years with various over-the-counter lotions and creams, but it got much worse during my last pregnancy. As a busy working mom of three, I don't always have time to focus on my eczema, so I finally talked to my doctor and was prescribed Eucrisa. I'm happy to say that my eczema improves when I use it. I truly encourage patients and caregivers to have the eczema conversation and talk to their doctor about potential treatment options that may be right for them. Jessica has been using Eucrisa Crisoboral Ointment 2%, the first and only 100% steroid-free prescription ointment for the treatment of mild to moderate eczema in patients as young as three months old. Eucrisa works both at and below the skin surface to treat eczema. The specific way Eucrisa works is not well-defined. Prescription Eucrisa is for topical use only in patients three months of age and older. Do not use Eucrisa if you are allergic to Crisoboral or any of the ingredients in Eucrisa. Allergic reactions may occur at or near the application site. These can be serious and may include hives, itching, swelling, and redness. The most common side effect is application site pain, such as burning or stinging. Eucrisa is for use on skin, topical use only. Do not use Eucrisa in your eyes, mouth, or vagina. Ask your doctor about Eucrisa. Learn more at Eucrisa.com or by calling 1-866-Eucrisa. Again, that's E-U-C-R-I-S-A dot com. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. 
join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. When you wag that admonishing finger and blame the victim, you pretty much never help anybody lose weight, but you do make them feel about an inch tall. The consequences when doctors judge their overweight patients. Then rheumatic diseases, more than just arthritis. Rheumatic diseases are actually quite common and, you know, the umbrella of rheumatic disease usually includes about over a hundred conditions. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.